0: If you are listening to this, there's a good chance that you're awesome. Welcome to the Mission Daily. I'm Chad Grills. I'm joined by Stephanie Postles.
1: Hey, everyone. There's like a 99.9% chance (laughs) you're awesome.
0: I completely agree. And we are so excited to be here. It's Thursday. I want to start off on a really good note, but the episode we're talking about today is going to be a little bit dark, but I want to bring as much light and brevity to it as possible But I couldn't avoid talking about this, and I've thought about doing an episode like this for a while, but it's tricky to know how much is too much. Should you say these things publicly? Should you not say them? So I think we're walking a very careful line here, and I think that you're really going to enjoy this episode.
1: I think so, too. And I think you should always shy on saying things. Even if you say it wrong, hey, it could help maybe one person, two people. You never know. So I'm all about it. You have to
0: take the risk. And we started our book club a while ago. Many of you know that. The next book coming up is the Walt Disney biography. That's exciting. That's coming up the 28th where we're going to be discussing it live. So you can tune in. You can read the book or you can skip reading the book. It doesn't really matter. I think the Audible version is 33 hours. There's a 10-hour version, but it's still 900 pages if you're trying to read it traditionally. So that's a long book. And that's coming up the 28th. The next book we're doing, though, we just got in yesterday. It's called The Courage to be Disliked. And is that
1: official? Are we actually doing it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's the next book. And I've handed it out to everybody on the team. And we want to really, really zero in on that subject because that is a skill that's becoming increasingly rare. And that's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. So before we jump into it, big shout out to Twilio Signal Conference that's coming up October 17th and the 18th here in not sunny San Francisco because it's usually cloudy but that's okay. It's going to be an amazing time. And San Francisco, if you have not been the conference center where they're going to have the conference at Twilio Signal is incredible. It's a lot of fun, great space, and we're looking forward to seeing everybody there.
1: And don't forget to use our promo code mission20 when you go to signal.twilio.com to get your tickets and get a little discount on them.
0: Yes. And let's get into the episode. So I feel... If you hear it in my voice, you can kind of hear a little bit of like trepidation or not melancholy, but I, I def-
1: do. I'm like, what's, <laughs> let's bring up the volume here. What's happening? You can be I, excited even if it's a dark topic.
0: I don't think so. No? So okay. yeah, n- Now with these topics, but so this is a subject I've been thinking about and I mean, you can tell too, cause I'm saying, but too much and uh, like I'm stalling because there's literally a mental roadblock to talking about these things publicly. So what things are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a class of things that arises where you see somebody who is hurting themselves or you know that they're hurting themselves and maybe they're giving up. Maybe they're just so beaten down by life, by circumstance, by fate, whatever it is, they've kind of just given up. And whether they're actively hurting themselves or exploring the possibility, it's very, very important that if you see signs of this, you have the courage to speak up early on, because this is something that is a pit. People just get themselves into these depressive spirals and it compounds over time, just like good habits can compound and lift you up to a place where small setbacks and everything don't even phase you. It's also works in the reverse. So if in the reverse direction, you can just get beaten down to the point where you completely give up. And that is a scary place to be. So if you have friends, if you have family and you see this type of drift towards a dark place, it's very important that you interject early on. And it's very important that you say something. So there's an expression, it was coined by the Department of Homeland Security. I never thought that I'd be referencing them as a good reminder for anything. But if you see something, say something. And that is a powerful call to action. And it's a great reminder. So if you see something, say something.
1: So what makes you want to talk about this today? Or what kind of sparked that idea of, like, we should do an episode on this?
0: Deep thoughts. So I stayed (laughs) up late a couple different nights last night, and I think it was a week, no, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I ended up, I I stayed up and I was writing till, like, four in the morning or something. I remember that.
1: Yeah. Being like, what are you still doing up right now? I woke up to feed Grayson, and I'm like, oh, Chad is still working out (laughs) in the studio.
0: (laughs) wasn't mainly free writing. I'm doing some reading a little bit of Carl Jung's active imagination and thinking about many different things and trying to plan in a long-term fashion, trying to address different challenges that we have now. And sometimes when the muse strikes or when creativity is there, you have to capitalize on it. So that's what I've been doing. And I've just in those periods of introspection, writing things down and generally just thinking about things. And I've done a bit of journaling as well. And that definitely prompted that. So it's a good rule of thumb that if there's anything in your head that you keep coming back to again and again, it's very important to get it out onto paper, to get that thought away from you and disassociate yourself with the idea because you are not the idea. You are infinite and an idea is just an idea. It's very finite. Don't associate yourself too closely with it. And so as I was doing that and reflecting on some situations that were still bugging me. And honestly, because they relate to a situation now that I'm not quite ready to talk about where I'm kind of holding back on speaking up and just interjecting with, you know, basically trying to prime myself with the courage to be disliked and speaking up and telling somebody like, hey, I, you know, are you sure you're okay? Like, really? And the best way possible. And so anyways, I've just been thinking about all of that and reflecting on some of the incidents and stories from my own life in the past where I did speak up. And then a couple situations where I did not speak up that I don't blame myself for these by any stretch of the imagination. I don't share a hundred percent of the blame, but I definitely hold some portion of the blame for not speaking up when I could have.
1: So are you actually going to go into the examples today of some of the like when you did speak up versus when you didn't and what ended yeah. up happening
0: the, the first example was back in and i think just as a caveat too if you're thinking about hurting yourself or anything like that call someone talk with somebody these are really serious subjects get professional help there's no shame in that if there is you're around the wrong people and you need to find better people no shame in that whatsoever no shame if you are attending alcoholics anonymous or any organization to get better i think that hats off i salute all the people who are brave enough to Ask for help because asking for help is incredibly incredibly difficult. So that's out of the way The first story starts back in high school. So back in high school, one of my best friends She was in a depressive spiral and it kept cropping up over the course of a couple weeks And finally it just culminated with her saying I'm just i'm just gonna kill myself. That's ridiculous And of course she said it with a joking demeanor, but there was an underlying tone of sincerity that I detected And it was a weird situation where I wasn't even thinking about it in moments. I was just up and I had found and kind of like instantly just found myself in the office of one of the few teachers that I actually respected in my high school and just filled them in on the situation. They handled it in a great way, talked to her. And later on, it wasn't the next day or the day after that. But I think about a week later, she pulled me aside and said, thank you so much. That so meant she knew everything. you
1: went to the teachers and brought it up.
0: I think so. Yeah. I, I don't know how. I don't know how she know. but yeah. And that it felt really good because it was a genuine expression of I. Of course, I didn't just stop talking to her. I was just like you know I tried to explore it with her when she brought it up, which I think is very important to do because so often when people say things in a joking way, there's an element of truth to it. And not always. I think it's silly when people fall into the trap of thinking, "Oh, every joke is because it's partly true." No, I, I don't. I don't buy that. I, yeah, think I was gonna say it'd be hard in important. high school too. Imagine yeah. how many
1: people said it or said things like that, where you're like, "I know you," time. and I know you're just being silly. Yeah. Versus, I know you've actually been struggling for the past week or so with something, and sure. you actually might be somewhat serious about that statement.
0: Definitely. And you know, we grew up in a small town in western maryland where there were you know several different suicides It's something that has been in my family there have been a, like a couple incidents i don't think that many but it's something that is has a taboo around it and it really shouldn't there are a bunch of ideas i have around that subject and around depression in general I'm not ready to share those publicly yet but i think that in the future a lot of the negative traits that we perceive today In terms of individuals succumbing to addiction or depression are actually going to be very positive indicators for an individual's propensity to learn in fact learn at a very fast pace so i think that your propensity for addictive behaviors is actually a signal that you can learn at an accelerated rate but that's an entirely different subject and don't quote me, I'm not a doctor, nor a medical or a psychological professional, but I think that in a very short order of time, academia and research is going to support that. Maybe you could argue that it already does. There's some fascinating books about why addiction is not a disease and I'm blanking on the name right now, but we'll probably talk about them in future episodes at yeah, the best. That's
1: a whole nother wormhole. So if it is, get but it's back, a really valuable one. It is a valuable one. Sorry. So if we get back to your stories, because I love stories. So you've got the instance where you did speak up and you were happy you did because it maybe could have helped. You never know, but yeah. it maybe could have helped influence the end it, result.
0: It did. Yeah. yeah in, in a positive way.
1: Okay. So what is the example of not speaking up that you wish you did? And what is advice to people maybe to about how to do this in a way that yes you can have the courage to be disliked but doing it in a way that actually helps the situation instead of making it worse which i could see that happening where you speak up and it actually makes that person spiral into an even worse state if you say I think the that's wrong a thing. fallacy yeah
0: i think it's a complete fallacy the, okay. the, the idea that you could say the wrong thing when you come from a place of genuine caring and compassion there's a very good chance that the other person's ego will not allow them to receive help If someone is in a destructive spiral, they will lash out at you. But you need to anticipate that. And just like you would rescue someone who is drowning very carefully, you need to do the same thing. But we've unfortunately fallen into a place where people are so terrified of words and so terrified of someone saying the wrong thing to them. And so many families and friends are stuck in these archaic mindsets of if somebody offends me, I'm just not going to talk to them for a while. And if somebody offends me, I'm just going to speak even more badly behind their back. I think that's the biggest joke in the world. And I think that that fear is any type of fear, basically, you need to figure out how to overcome because fear is generally a lie Fear is uh false evidence appearing real or however you want to define it. So well, I how do you think get fear in is that the root mindset. of all evil.
1: Yeah. So how do you get in the mindset when you're approaching someone about something, knowing that they could lash back out at you and it could hurt your ego, your feelings, you might get defensive and actually stopping that on your end. You have
0: to embrace that hurt because oftentimes that individual is hurting so much that they need to offload their hurt however they can. So
1: that's a good way to think about it then. Maybe just knowing oh, that they might come... Lash back out at you, but that could be good for them. So even if you're feeling hurt for a second, expect it and go with it.
0: And there's an excellent quote from Rene Girard who says, Everywhere and always, when humans cannot or dare not take their anger against the thing that has caused it, they will find substitutes to take their anger out on. And they always find them. So
1: that is good. First of all, how do you memorize quotes like this? You just bust them out all the time. Oh, that's um, interesting.
0: It's weird and it kind of escapes language but certain quotes have it's almost like they're automatically highlighted and i don't have to highlight them or anything they just stick with me and i don't forget them this but they doesn't always happen to me
1: though that's what i'm wondering
0: <laughs> well i think why they stick with me is because i associate them with very emotional stories and instances in my own life and i don't know if i consciously do that but Any chance I get to anchor a quote to a personal experience or story, I unconsciously or semi-consciously do. So there's a memory technique called the memory palace in which people who do memory competitions basically construct an imaginary house in their minds and then they go through the house and place the objects or the numbers or the sequences they need to remember throughout a familiar real world space. Or maybe it's a artificially constructed space that they're just constructing in their imagination. The point is... I think that you can do that with emotions, but typically we have been cut off from our emotions. When this is again another rabbit hole that we'll explore. Sorry, in I made future, you digress but in a I'm future like, episode. I'm just going
1: to bust out these quotes, but
0: but anyways, so back to the Gerard quote and the stories at hand. That the point of that quote is that we are really, really. In a difficult place in life. Life is not easy and if you don't figure out how to transmute your anger, your frustrations, and your suffering in a safe way, you will always find a scapegoat, a weaker person, or unfortunately, a person who loves you enough to endure that frustration and that anger. A person who loves you enough so that if you do lash out, they're not going to stop loving you. And many people, I think, find them in a situation where that is the case. And where they take their frustration, instead of having the courage to speak up to that boss, to that whoever it is really the one that's transgressing against you, they speak out against the person that's essentially done nothing wrong.
1: Yeah, I've seen that happen a ton. So what's an example of a story where you haven't, if you want to share, haven't spoken up and wish you did? Or
0: Yeah. And I think, so let me couch this in, there's the idea that humans are really bad at applying a narrative to everything after the fact. So it's like the narrative fallacy or however you want to define that. So we're really good at after a situation, number one, doing like the armchair quarterback type analysis, but we're also very prone to falling in the trap of applying a false narrative. So I'm, I'm very aware that I could be extrapolating these circumstances and applying a false narrative to these stories. But at the same time, I think I'm being as objective as possible And I do think that I'm remembering these situations pretty accurately. So three quick stories that I'm definitely not celebrating. And I mean, I've been broken down in tears several times, thinking about how I could have helped any one of these individuals. Yeah, many times, in fact. But at the same time, I say this so to save all the listeners from pain. And I think- Or
1: people they could help who they see are suffering. Definitely.
0: and, And maybe, you know, maybe not pain, but needless, pointless suffering. That's what we want to avoid because at certain points in life, sometimes you have to go through pain to get a reward. It's not always a bad thing, but needless suffering or being able to help someone, if you could just be a bit more courageous, that's something you have to embrace and you have to do it if you have the chance to do it. So, the three stories the first one was in the military after my first deployment to Iraq. And on that deployment, my neighbor, who was like across from me, he lived in one of the buildings and he was a guy in my unit. Uh, and everything. He asked me to work out together a couple times. And this, again, is, yeah, it's, it's tough to talk about. But anyways, so he just asked me to work out a couple times. And it's a tough situation on a deployment where everyone's outside their comfort zone. It's obviously not a cakewalk. It's not a walk in the park. We're, you know, in an infantry unit. And I didn't take him up on it, didn't really explore that. I, I would be like polite and friendly with him and, and nice nice to him and everything. But there were, was never just like an opportunity to really connect. And I could have uh, many times, that, but there were several times that I said no. And you know, after the deployment, things go by and hadn't heard from him or really anyone in the unit for an extended period of time. And just word got around, he had killed himself. And that's something that is horrible. It's also a negative stereotype that is not accurate about the military. So not everyone in the military suffers with depression or PTSD. It's in fact quite rare. But at the same time, there's, again, nothing wrong with it. It's another rabbit hole of a subject. But that is just always stuck in my mind. There were a lot of invitations from him and people where if somebody asks you to do something, you're not obligated to do that with them. But you are obligated, I think, and anyone who is moral and seeking to be virtuous is obligated to listen as carefully as you can. So when somebody is reaching out for connection, there might be a reason that you can't imagine. Maybe you would hit it off with that person. Maybe there are a bunch of common grounds and commonalities and you know maybe there is a shared friendship there. So when in doubt, say yes. We live in a culture where people think you have to say no to everything, but really listen for those instances where somebody is genuinely reaching out to you, trying to connect. And don't shut yourself off as much as you think that you might need to. It's easy as somebody who's pretty introverted. So I'm pretty introverted. It's easy to think that we always need time to recharge, but the mind, there's a quote from Bill Watterson. The mind is like a car battery. It recharges by running. And I think that's the case. And I think that even introverts need to recharge with people, with connection, with face-to-face, in-real-life interactions. That's the first story. Second story is on my second deployment with the military, there was a guy who I was friends with. He was actually like one of my soldiers for a while and served uh, yeah under me in a couple different times. And there were a couple things that he said that were just like red flags. In this situation, though, after learning from that last experience I engaged and went all in and tried to engage him, talk to him. And I feel very, very good that I did literally the best that I could. Can always do more though. That's for sure. And especially when you're analyzing things like after the situation, again, after the deployment, he killed himself. And it was not something that was, again, in both these situations too, let me just add, nobody suspected it too. It was not something that was a oh my God, like, yeah, the writing was on the wall. I was going to ask that if there
1: was any signs or anything that you picked up on either one of them. Far from it. And
0: I think a lot of these, it's just analyzing the situation after the fact. Mm -hmm. And in both cases, drugs and alcohol were involved. And that's, you know, it's a major problem because where are you supposed to get help if you try to go to the VA? And the VA is providing you drugs that are worse than the ones that you're taking for the pain. So that's entirely another rabbit hole. You can tell that I'm jumping to talk about. But the point being here is that I think that I probably could have interjected the moment that the second guy, I don't want to say his name for his family's sake and everything like that. There's probably some opportunities there where I could have done more and had more courage in venturing forth an unpopular truth, not reprimanding him, but basically saying that, wow, the type of person who would say that, i don't even know tell me where you're coming from why would you do that why would you say that and it was just basically it's just some things that he said that were just red flags that he was yeah having a really tough time okay third example and third story here and again this is something that i am telling because i want to make sure everyone else out there can avoid these situations however possible so third story and i've never really talked about these before yeah i haven't even
1: heard them which i'm kind of surprised by
0: yeah so uh third story so as I was leaving the military, I was, I was still in the military, in fact, and I was helping as a civilian recruiter. And one of the soldiers that I got into the military was a great, great guy. And he was the son of my dad's friend and colleague. And we got him into the military and he was doing great. He had battled a drug addiction in the past and I think three years before I helped get him into the military and everything like that, I had heard about all his struggles secondhand through my dad. When my dad would be talking to my mom or something like that, this was just a reoccurring situation because this guy was battling a very, very serious drug addiction and it was tearing their family apart. And I brought up a couple times like, hey, I'm reading this great book about how to overcome that exact addiction. There was this story about a father and his son. It's literally the exact same thing. And I let myself basically be talked out of the fact that like, we need to get this story to this guy's parents and his family immediately because they were pursuing just from what I heard second and third hand, they were pursuing like nonsensical solutions. And I think in those situations, again, everybody's going through their own battle and fighting their own battles and the family that was struggling they were just like their son, beaten down by life and beaten down by everything that was happening. And so probably they were-
1: doing the best they could based on recommendations given by family, friends, doctors, you know, just taking whatever was given to them. Because yeah. at a certain point, you do kind of like information overload. I'm just tell me what to do and I'll try and do it.
0: Definitely. There might be information overload, but there is never... Signal overload. It's typically like information overload happens when we don't get enough signal and we just get a bunch of noise and a bunch of information that just distracts and confuses us. And in that situation, I made the wrong call by not aggressively selling and telling adults, my friends, my parents, everyone, you're wrong. You're so wrong about this and everything. And literally, I should have gone over to their house. I should have sent this book in the mail anonymously. I should have done you know so, so much more with that. Again, to a quick caveat for anyone who's listening and saying like, I'm just you know, beating myself up about this stuff unnecessarily. I don't think so. I think it's really, really healthy to analyze everything that you've done and not be afraid to apply the best judgment you can to it. Yeah,
1: after, that's how you learn after for the future fact. situations and that's you learn to pick up on those you know how, things that exactly. happen. Yeah.
0: It's how we learn. That's how people and systems and organizations get better. And it's how we can prevent future travesties from happening. So in that situation, it was partly very inspiring because he got clean completely and he succeeded in the military and he succeeded out of the military too. He re-enrolled in college and was doing fantastic and he died in a car crash. He burned to death. It's just the situation where sometimes you feel like you did a lot, but it wasn't enough. So The big thing that I just want to leave everyone with is you have to have the courage to not only be disliked, but bring things up when they're hard. When you might lose a friend, a family member, don't be scared of that. That's why we have a word called courage. It's hard to do. It's something that is not easy to claim. Most people who claim they're courageous, (laughs) you want to run from them. You You don't want to be close from them. So for everyone out there listening, I hope this episode was not too sad. I just want to make sure that everyone out there has the courage to be disliked and say the things that need to be said.
1: And I also want to say thanks for sharing. And I also want to say thanks for sharing all your personal stories, because I think that's really hard and difficult and helpful to do that. So everyone can see maybe instances in their life where they can see this happening and then think back to your stories to really motivate them to speak up. So I applaud you for doing that.
0: Definitely. Um, oh, thanks, babe. Yeah. And thanks to everybody that is uh, listening. Thank you so much. And we love each and every one of you. Have an awesome day. Have an awesome Thursday, in fact. And we will see you tomorrow on Friday for another episode of The Best. what Of All right. our reading, listening, watching, doing. And yeah, that, that about covers it.
1: Yep. See you guys next time.
0: See you next time. This is a serious episode. And if you're still listening, thank you so much. And we have the Twilio Signal Conference coming up. Twilio is our sponsor. They are supporting independent media in a big way at the mission. We really appreciate that. We couldn't do what we do without them. Twilio has an amazing product. They have an amazing suite of services and their conference, the Twilio Signal Conference is coming up October 17th and the 18th. If you go, we'll see you there. See you next.